I'm super happy to continue on with our first experiences of Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. So this last weekend, we had our first Good Friday service, which was amazing. We had our first Easter service, and now this morning we get to have our first baptism. And so um, I'm reminded of what Paul said to the church that was in Philippi. You know, the church in Philippi was a church that was started in a pretty radical way. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, in the letter that Paul wrote to this church, he said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, listen, from the first day until now. So Paul remembers how the work started in Philippi some 10 years prior to writing that letter when he uh, followed the call of God that, was, um, that he received to go to the region of Macedonia. And when Paul arrives with his gospel partners in the city of Philippi, which you can read about in Acts chapter 16, there were three really powerful conversions that took place. Um, without turning there, you could read the story later, but I'm just going to talk about each one of these conversions and sort of, you know, give a a summary of what took place on that first day that Paul's talking about. Um, it was the Sabbath day, and Paul and his partners, they go down to the river where people just would hang out on the weekend. You know, it'd be like going down to the beach, and they assumed that this was a gathering place of people, and while they were there, they met a woman who was named Lydia. And Lydia was an entrepreneur. She sold purple clothing, and she made quite a bit of money doing it. She was by that river, and the Lord opened up her heart to hear the things that were being said by Paul. And that very day, as her heart was opened up to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the kingdom of God, Lydia was the first person to be saved in the city of Philippi through the ministry of Paul. Then, a little bit later that same week, there was a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And she followed Paul around for some days, and she was saying to, to them, oh, look at these guys, they're, they're servants of the Most High God. Now, was she right? Absolutely, she was right. They were serving the Lord in the second missionary journey, and yet it was by this spirit of divination that was, she was saying these things. And Paul, it says he got so greatly annoyed that he turns around and cast the unclean spirit out of this girl. The men who were trafficking this girl were pretty upset because she had made them a lot of money by fortune telling, but now she was set free by God and indwelled by the spirit, amen? She's the second person to come into the church at Philippi. And because of this whole situation with this young girl being delivered from an unclean spirit, the men drag Paul and Silas into the marketplace because they're so frustrated that they've taken away their, their um, basically their trafficking business. And they put them in prison for the night. And while Paul and Silas are stretched out in stocks, now stocks were these, uh, this instrument where you'd lock the hands and the feet and then stretch the body out until it was just torturous pain. And while Paul and Silas were in these stocks, in this prison cell, it says they were singing hymns to God. Isn't that strange? 
not really if you're a Christian, because even in the midst of suffering and persecution, such as Paul and Silas were facing in that moment, they knew where their hope lied. They had believed upon Jesus, upon his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and they had this great joy that was spilling out from within them even as they were stretched out in stocks. And then God, in this miraculous intervention, causes an earthquake to happen, and the prison doors are opened. Could you imagine that? Just kind of stretch, and then boom, everything's opened. And in great distress, the jailer sees what's taken place, that, that the prison cells are open. He just woke up from a nap and sees that, oh my goodness, I was supposed to be keeping watch of these people and now they must be gone. And in this great moment of distress, the jailer is about to fall upon his own sword to take his own life. Because in that day, if a, if a Roman jailer were to to not perform their duties, it would cost them their own life. And so he thinks he's just going to take things into his own hands. But Paul and Silas and the other prisoners, they're still in the prison cell. And they, they speak out to the jailer and they tell him to stop. And they turn on the lights and all of a sudden the jailer sees that these men who had been singing hymns, even in the midst of their suffering, are still in the prison cells like, what? This is mind-blowing. There is something different about these people. And so we hear that great uh, question from the Philippian jailer. Once the lights are turned on, he says, what must I do to be saved? And they respond by saying, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's the third Christian in Philippi which means that this is the church that just made up uh, the Philippian church. It was made up of a rich woman, a fortune-telling slave girl, and a jailer. And so essentially, it was a wealthy, prophetic, high-security church. One of my favorite things about the background of the church in Philippi is that all these people came from such different backgrounds, didn't they? And yet they were all redeemed in Jesus Christ, which means that they had become family. Because that's what the church is. We are a family. And that's why Paul could say in Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God when I remember you. When I think back from that first day until now, it brings me great joy. He then says a truth that many of us have heard in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, where he says, I am sure of this. I am so confident of this very fact that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so today, we have 12 people in whom God has started this work. People of various ages and background, and yet they all testify to the fact that they have believed upon Jesus to be saved. And these 12 people that are being baptized today are the first people to be baptized in this church. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, God has started a work here at Calvary Chapel, Palos Verdes. And when God starts a work, he finishes a work. And I just think about how Paul wrote to the church in Philippi 10 years after that work started. And I can't wait to see 
what God has for this church in the next 10 years and all the people that are going to be saved and all the people that are going to be baptized in this church in the next 10 years. But there's something so special about the firsts, the first people to be baptized in a church. Some weeks ago, I was in Santa Barbara, and I had the privilege of praying over a man in our church who is like a father of the faith. He's a legend at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, and and he's been going through cancer, and he's doing it so well, suffering in hope. And I got to lay my hands upon him and pray over him and anoint him with oil. I got to pray over the man who was the first person to be baptized of Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. I can't even begin to think about many, many, many years from now, the people in this church, you guys, as we grow together, the, the weeks and the months and the years and the decades that will pass as we grow together as a local church. I'm so excited for it. And so, you know, in Acts chapter 16, verse 15, as soon as Lydia and her household believed upon Jesus, they were baptized right after they believed. And after the baptism, it says that Lydia, um, that she really wanted Paul and the others to come to her house for a meal. And it says that she prevailed upon them to stay. And so I'm just going to say it right now that after this baptism, you have to stay for a meal, (laughs) okay? Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Where else are you going to get a really good chicken sandwich on Sunday? Right here at Calvary Chapel Palace Rays. Look at those guys. Kevin, how's it going? Good? All right. And then not only that, but once the jailer was saved, Acts chapter 16, verse 33 through 34, it says, he was baptized at once, he and all his family, and then he brought them to his house and set food before them. I'm telling you guys, it's biblical. You baptize people and then you eat food together. And so that's what we're going to do today. Make sure you stay around as we celebrate those who are being baptized. Now, baptism, what is it? Well, it is a wonderful display of the faith that a person has in Jesus Christ. And baptism is a word that comes from the Greek word baptizo, which simply means to plunge, to dip, or to immerse. I like to call baptism dunking. It's essentially the same thing. That is what, it, what is happening. You are being dunked, dipped into the water, similar to how Lydia, who was a seller of purple, would have taken a garment and dipped it into purple dye. You know, she would dip that garment into a, into a liquid, and as it would come out, it would be changed, changed to the color purple. Or how Kevin, who's working the grill over there, had immersed the chicken in marinade since Friday, and and after it comes out, it's going to have that much more flavor, right? And the same picture is true, that when a person gets baptized, they are dipped into water, which represents a change that has happened in that person's life because of Jesus. They come out a changed person. They come out, in, in, in a sense, enhanced with flavor, you know. And because, listen, a person who is baptized is a person who has died with Jesus. A person who is baptized is someone who has been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we talked about on Easter. And what a person is doing when they're being baptized is they're making a public declaration 
of that fact that they are a follower of Jesus Christ. Going into the water, you are showing that you have died with Jesus. The water represents the tomb that Jesus was laid in after he died for sin. And you are saying to God and to this church, I have died with Jesus. But you know, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And in the same way, you will be raised up out of the water to represent that you've been raised with Jesus. Now, I know some of you are probably worried that we were going to hold you down under the water, you know, for, for quite some time. Maybe a couple of you. We just got to really make sure it works, you know. But, but you've died with Jesus. You're not going to stay under that water because Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Jesus rose from the dead, and you will be raised from that water, and it's going to be a celebration. You know, there's nothing in the water itself that's going to change you. I mean, look, it's an inflatable hot tub. Nothing, nothing about that that's changing you. Because listen, the change has already happened if you're being baptized. You've already died with Christ. You've already been raised with Jesus. And so these 12 people who are being baptized today, a work has already happened already started and God's going to be faithful to complete that work as we read in Philippians 1 6 and this act of baptism is simply demonstrating outwardly what God has already done inwardly in a person and so now we're going to get to those baptisms in just a moment I know we're all waiting for it so I'm going to finish up my teaching I'm going to end with this scripture that is written on the baptism certificate of each person being baptized today. And it's Romans 6, 4, where it says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And that's what's happening here today. You know, that's what you're going to experience today if you're being baptized. And that's what you're witnessing today if you get to watch these people being baptized. What's happening? A death has happened. Jesus died and you've died with him. Life has happened. Jesus was raised and you are now raised with him. And the baptized believer, as it says in Romans uh, chapter 6, gets to walk in newness of life because they've identified in Jesus with all things. And so you're no longer going to live for yourself, but the life that you now live, you live by faith in Jesus who died for you and was raised for you. So it's time to get to it. You ready? It's time to worship together some more. The worship team can come on up. It's time to witness some baptisms. And this is going to be a time of rejoicing. What I'm going to say right now is that this is a joyful celebration. And so when the people come up out from the water, I want to hear some cheering. Right? I, if Paul and Silas can, can be singing stretched out in stocks... Let's worship, let's sing, let's lift up our voices to the Lord. And not only that, but as people are being baptized, let's, let's cheer, let's shout, let's, we're in the heart of the peninsula right now, you guys. 
Uh, literally, if you're driving out, there's a sign right out here off of Crenshaw that says the heart of the peninsula. We are in the heart of the peninsula. Let's give this place its heartbeat. Amen. 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 Newness of life is happening here today. And I'm going to pray over those being baptized today. And then we'll witness their proclamations of faith. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you died and rose again. And we thank you that those being baptized today have also died and have also been raised with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be fully hidden in you. Hidden in Christ, in God. We are doubly hidden with you, God. We thank you, Lord, that as as the Father spoke from heaven, as Jesus was baptized, you said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Lord, thank you that you are pleased today with those who are being baptized. Lord, we ask, Lord, that as the same thing was true at Jesus' baptism, that the Spirit descended upon that place and upon Jesus. We pray, God, that your Spirit would fill this church this morning. And God, that there would just be a joyful celebration that would reverberate throughout this place. Thank you, Lord, that this is our first fruits of, of a church. Lord, this is our first baptism. But God, I pray for the many more years to come as a church, that there would be hundreds upon thousands that would make professions of faith in Jesus, that many more would be baptized into Christ, being baptized into his death and resurrection. But I thank you for these first 12 here today. Lord, would you bless this moment, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.